T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to The Morning Briefing on Intercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day is what we do, and it's our slogan. And I'll tell you why we do it. It's because each and every member of our team knows what it's like to have worn that uniform, and just as importantly, knows what it's like to have taken it off that very last time. Whether they retired, whether they finished their time up and finished their contracts, we all know what it's like, and we all want to help our brothers and sisters in arms figure out the best way to live their best veteran life through benefits, education, all sorts of amazing content, coming out every day on ConnectingVets.com and also on social media. We are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Highly recommend you follow us there. A little click in your mouse or tap on your phone, and you'll be that much closer to living your veteran life. My next guest is a veteran of the world's finest Navy. You know, I don't think we have enough Navy veterans in here. I think we should only have Navy veterans in here. Kathy Beasley, what do you think about that? Well, Eric, it would be a little boring to only just have Navy veterans in here. I mean, You're what right. would you do that right. one day in December when <laughs> Army meets Navy? <laughs> there you Who go. Who else would you harass? That's true. That's, you need a couple that's very Army true. people around. We have Kathy Beasley in studio, and Kathy is... Oh, this thing just stopped. Come on. It's okay. We'll be able to restart right there. We have Kathy Beasley in studio, and Kathy is the Director of Government Relations for Health Affairs at the Military Officers Association of America. However, she is also a veteran of the United States Navy, having retired from the Navy. Kathy, tell us just a little bit about your time in the service, when you joined, and what you did while you were serving in the Navy. Well, Eric, I joined, uh, I was in the Navy, I had a 30-year career. Wow. Uh, I entered, I was age 22, right out of college. And uh, I went to the University of Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not much Navy there. Uh, met a recruiter, and uh, uh, that was all she wrote back then. And uh, <laughs> 1979. <clears throat> Eric, where were you in 1979? Uh, it depends. Which month? Uh, it would be May. I was born six months later. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that just puts a context it on does. things. It does. Here. And some things are, are very different from that era, and some things have remained the same. One thing that's the same is that no matter what you do in the military, and of course, you served as an officer, you retired as a captain in the Navy, mm -hmm. correct? I did. Whether you're a captain, whether you are a fleet admiral like Nimitz and Halsey, whether you're a seaman who just does four years, there comes a day when that career comes to an end. You take the uniform off and you move on into the civilian world. For you, you retired after 30 years. If you can think back to that last day in uniform, that retirement ceremony for the captain, and then the next day, you're no longer Captain Beasley. You're Kathy Beasley, which is kind of close. But what do you remember about that time in your life? Uh, it was 2009. Uh, what I remember most, I had considered retiring earlier than that mm. at about the 20 year mark um so that was right around 1999 2000 um 2001 i was actually getting my papers together to retire and then 9 11 hit oh, well wow. after that i was at national naval medical center and um a director for healthcare operations 
it just seemed like, you know, we just hit the ground running and everything was, you know, getting operationally ready. We sent the comfort out. We got casualties in simultaneously um, at, at Bethesda. We, and well, not so much Walter Reed, but Bethesda, we deployed when the comfort left in 2003, we deployed almost all of our staff. And oh, by the way, we were getting casualties, you know, from theater mm-hmm. in. Uh, so we had to board on reservists, contractors. I mean, we couldn't miss a beat. And oh, by the way, you know, we are the president's hospital. So yep. we had to, all of us, full speed ahead. All doors are open. Uh, we couldn't miss a beat. So that was the backdrop of the, of the 2000s for me. And then re- retiring in 2009, uh, when I was statutory and, and had to do it, uh, I think I was ready. Um, it was a long, wonderful career, loved every second of it. Um, and I was frequently asked, what do you like best? Which duty station? Every single one of them. <laughs> every single one. And so the fantastic people. But as you say, Eric, there comes a time you got to hang the uniform up. And uh, so, you know, I took the summer off. I retired in May 2009, took the summer off. And then uh, some friend of mine called and said uh, that he was leaving Military Officers Association, and I'm like, well, what's, what's, I knew what MOA was because I was a member, and uh, he said, well, I do advocacy work there. I thought it sounded interesting. He goes, I need to get somebody in here to do the healthcare portfolio, and uh, I'd like to see if you'd be interested. So I went down to MOA, met Steve Strobridge, you know, who would be my boss, and had lunch, and I, I was, you know, the advocacy world and government relations and just the mission of MOA really appealed to me and so I've, I've been with moa ever since so i'm coming up on a 10-year 10-year mark uh wow. soon with moa and uh, advocacy is has been a tremendous tremendous opportunity it's often a good fit for those who served particularly those who served for longer periods of time and have a lot of experience and kind of uh, saw everything from that ground level on up towards the top like yourself now when you got out was there any worry after 30 years Captain in the Navy. I mean, come on, the captain. That's that's like the rank. Uh, you know, retirement pay for senior officers is pretty good, but we've talked to some other officers like Lieutenant General Frank Labuti from the Marine Corps who said, you know, when I got out, if I didn't find something to do with myself, I don't know if I'd still be here with you. Was there a worry for you of what you would find to spend your time doing? Uh, or were you looking for something when you found MOA? How did it actually uh, happen for you? Well, I think MOA more or less found me. Um, uh <laughs> But it, it just fit, um, and it, it, it just was a natural progression. I mean, I, there was many other opportunities. Uh, you know, that you, well, here in the D.C. area, I knew I was going to stay here. I've, I've kind of, you know, I retired here, so I, I knew I was going to settle here. But right. uh, there's, so there's many job opportunities, um, and, and I was looking at other things. But this seemed to fit, and again, I, I like the mission of, you know, always still serving. I still feel like I'm serving because uh, we're serving the um, – uh, the military community and the veterans community uh, from many of uh, assets or any from from many aspects in MOA and healthcare. That's my profession and my interest, and it's a little different than certainly being in the medical centers and you know around patients, if you will. But I think I'm still helping people. Kathy Beasley, United States Navy, retired as the director of government relations for health affairs at the Military Officers Association. As you said, you were familiar with it because you were a member. For those who aren't familiar, someone walks up to you and says, Captain, what the heck is the Military Officers Association? What do you tell that person? Well, I tell them we're, we're the largest advocacy organizations that for officers. Uh, in particular, you have to be an officer to be a member, uh, but we serve the whole 
uh, military and veterans community to include, you know, the, the enlisted ranks as well. Just because the officers are members doesn't mean that we don't advocate and serve the, the broader military and veterans community, which we do. And that's a, that's a great um, mission to have. And we're also member of the Military Coalition, which is a 32-member association coalition of associations, uh, military and veterans service organizations, and such as the VFW, the, um, uh, the retired enlisted, um, IAVA. There's, there's many of us that are part of the Military Coalition. And uh, within the coalition, um, we have different commu- uh, committees, and I'm co-chair of the health care committee. So we report on health care issues uh, to the broader coalition and help form consensus and policy positions on different issues from a health care perspective. That's very gratifying work and very powerful work. Very important work, too, is there is a lot going on in the medical field. I mean, each and every day that we're here on this show – we're talking about the the issues that are taking place, whether it's regarding uh, Blue Water Navy veterans uh, exposed mm-hmm. exposed to Agent Orange, whether we're talking about burn pits, whether we're talking about you know the the American Legion has begun to uh, state that they're going to push for dental coverage for veterans at mm-hmm. the VA. There's a lot going on in that, and there's one thing in particular that sticks out to a lot of people, particularly retirees, and that is Tricare. TRICARE has been a bit of a hot-button issue as of late. There were significant changes made to the TRICARE programs, portions of TRICARE, I should say, uh, in the beginning of this year. And it would appear from data that MOA has come up with from a survey that the TRICARE audience, those who use TRICARE, are not very happy with the way things are moving. So what can you tell me about this survey and about the results? Well, I want to just back up a little bit just to provide some context, uh, Eric. Uh, yes, the military health system, the MHS, is um, undergoing a lot of changes as a system. Okay, TRICARE, the TRICARE health plan is a part of that system. Uh, the military hospitals and clinics are part of the military health system. So the, the whole system is being reformed and undergoing some changes, and TRICARE is a big piece of that. Um, in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2017, um, that ushered in sweeping reforms for the military health system. And part of those reforms, I'll talk about a couple of them, and then we'll talk a little bit about the survey. Um, the organization of the military health system from the uh, Surgeon General perspective, um, you're probably familiar with when your time in the Navy, um, the operational you know, medicine standpoint um, is restructuring, if you will, and uh, the entity, the organization that's going to be the umbrella organization overseeing not just the TRICARE health plan, but the military treatment facilities themselves is the Defense Health Agency. So that, that's a big organizational shift. So we're, we've got that going on. Uh, along with that, the TRICARE health plan, which is uh, the insurance uh, piece of it, um, went, underwent some changes as well. And most of those changes hit the deck here, if you will, on the 1st of January of this past year, January 1, 2018. There was an open enrollment season uh, instituted that, you know, beneficiary, TRICARE beneficiaries have never experienced uh, anything like that. New copayment cost share changes were instituted. So people's out-of-pocket costs and and their enrollment premiums uh, changed and they increased for for most people. 
and retirees in particular, that group of under 65, uh, we call them working age retirees, got hit with probably the, the largest cost share increases of, of any of the beneficiary categories. Those hit. The, the 1st of February, <clears throat> following that, the TRICARE Pharmacy Program instituted higher co-payments for pharmacy uh, use in, on the retail side and on the uh, mail-order delivery side. Um, the base pharmacies, of course, are still um, free for people. So all those things have... Oh, one other thing that happened during the 1st of the, of the um, January also... The Tricare regions changed. The Tricare contractors changed. Right. You had um, <clears throat> United Healthcare um, HealthNet replacing United Healthcare in the West, and you had Humana replacing HealthNet here in the East. So, with contractor changes, that was fraught with with uh, different uh, snafus, if you will, on on different operational aspects of delivering the health plan. Many of those things have been corrected since then, but we're, we're eight months into this now, so they should be. There, yeah. There's still things going on, still things that the Defense Health Agency and we with them are monitoring you know, from a, from a beneficiary satisfaction standpoint. So we're, we're making some headway there. But um, <clears throat> we at Military Officers Association um, did a survey in December before all these changes took place, and we did that on purpose so we could have a baseline I mean, we, we want to monitor how people are feeling about some of these changes, particularly the cost share changes. So six months uh, after the changes, uh, July, we ran another survey, and we, we asked people about their satisfaction with TRICARE. And don't get me wrong, people, people love the program. It's a, it's a robust benefit. It's a great benefit, and it, it's a good program. But people's satisfaction levels, which were pretty high before, have you know come down some and specifically in some certain areas and a lot of those areas where there's some dissatisfaction have to do with the cost shares mm. the things the out-of-pocket expenses people are having to pay now that they weren't paying before and what we're hearing from the vso's and coming off of capitol hill is that's going to get worse before it gets better there's going to be uh more people affected <clears throat> by those cost changes that were affected in january sooner than they thought they were going to be uh, as congress is looking at making some changes but uh, the survey that moa did what was the survey aiming to find out just people's uh, what they think about tricare or find out specific problem areas what was the goal of the survey well we want to we want to uh, uh, measure people's um, uh, satisfaction on a number of different uh, uh, dimensions and access to care is one um, satisfaction with choice of provider is another um, satisfaction with you know what you are paying is it a value you know is your service and sacrifice rec recognized by what you're having to pay your cost shares um, medication usage um, are you satisfied with um, the the your cost shares and your, you know, with the pharmacy program in general. Um, those are some of the things that some of our key areas. Some of the things that you were looking at. And as you said, in some areas in particular, there seems to have been a, a drop in people's uh, opinions of those areas. So what were the, some of the big problem areas, according to the survey respondents? Well, one of the demographic areas that, well, first I'll say the TRICARE for Life, which are, you know, over 65 uh, beneficiaries, right. retired uh, military beneficiaries, uh, are tremendously happy with their benefit. Of course, they they pay Medicare uh, Part B, Part A and B, uh, to get their Tricare for Life wraparound supplement to uh, to their Tricare benefit. So, 
they're they're already paying some high cost shares just by paying their med, you know right. their Medicare yeah. uh, fees. But nonetheless, they are very happy with the program and with their Tricare for Life benefit. The demographic where we saw some dissatisfaction was with the and it's it wasn't a surprise to us really uh, was the under age sixty five Tricare Prime and Tricare. Um, select now, it used to be standard, uh, select beneficiaries. These are your working age uh, uh, retirees, people that still have not aged into Medicare. So they're still in the TRICARE, you know, getting the TRICARE benefit. Uh, many of them thought, uh, a majority of them, well, should, no, a third of them, excuse me, uh, were either very or most dissatisfied with their cost shares. And that was a big change from what we saw previously where People were generally satisfied with what they were having to pay. So that was, that was a change. And with the medication piece, all beneficiary categories were dissatisfied. Hmm. One of the things that we found uh, prior to the changes being instituted on January 1st, 2018, was a lack of knowledge that they were coming within the retiree community, that these changes were kind of uh, quietly enacted. As you said, it was in the NDAA, but how many people are reading through the NDAA? It didn't seem that the military health care service did a very good job of letting the recipients of TRICARE know that this was coming. Do you think that that may have played a factor in the surveys? If people had been a bit more prepared, might they have been a little bit uh, less upset by it well i think you you hit on something there chris uh, the when we found out about these cost share increases we we were surprised you know not only at moa but our coalition partners all of us in the advocacy community who uh, work in this space were very surprised and, and the department came out with these fee increases in december so and they were going to go into effect the first of january so it didn't give you know, it didn't give anybody a lot of time to get the word out. So we, we tried, all of the organizations tried, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, even though since then we have put out quite a bit, but people sometimes don't realize things until they use the system, until they, they actually have an appointment or a series of appointments, and then they see they're hit with the cost shares. That's when they realize it. We had a couple leading indicators. We knew it was going to be tough on on people um, because we got calls right away during the month of January, uh, particularly people who um, are having a series of treatments, a series of care. Like, for instance, think physical therapy. You usually don't go in for just one physical therapy appointment. You go in for a series of treatment for, for a, a treatment plan uh, for, for whatever, an illness or a, a strained muscle, what, whatever it is. But you don't go in usually for one. So each one of those appointments, the cost shares went up dramatically. So you put all those together and people are paying, you know, sometimes hundreds of dollars more. It um, adds up. And yeah. when you talk about like, uh, we were talking off air about the increase in cost for prescriptions. Uh, individually, it doesn't sound like a lot of money when you talk about how much uh, the prescriptions have gone up in cost. Although anytime they go from zero up to any number higher than zero, that's going to mm -hmm. have an effect you probably don't think about the fact that some people might be taking seven, eight medications, not just one. So that I, I think it's $7 you were saying mm -hmm. now for those prescriptions to be filled for the maintenance medications. If you're taking, uh, let's say five medications, you're now talking what's at $35. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you're on a fixed or no income, that's a bit of a problem for you. Well, absolutely. And we've heard loud and clear from many of our members at Mo, and I've talked to quite a few of them uh, and, you know, we had a lot of write-in comments on the survey that uh, many of these people are, you know, having to, well, they're, they're switching some of their venues. They're going, 
because of these increases, uh, they're going from the retail sector into like for mail order for one, which which is a good thing because it's it's a lower cost. But also people in, already in the mail order are switching and, and going back to the MTFs. Right. Uh, and many of them are driving far distances just to go back to the MTF to get their uh, uh, medications there because they're they're still free there. Something that sticks out to me, and we're speaking with Kathy Beasley, Director of Government Relations for Health Affairs at the Military Officers Association of America. Cost-related items, I don't think there's any surprise. When costs go up, people are not happy. I mean, right. Just go to a vending machine and change it by a penny and watch mm-hmm. the, the world come to an end. When it comes to non-cost-related issues on the survey, when we're talking about access to care like you talked about, uh, and the other things that, that are not costing people money specifically, how are people's uh, thoughts on those according to the survey? Are we doing pretty good by our retirees? Yes, actually we are doing pretty well with access to care, uh, the ability to get into their provider. That's how that's measured. And that remained unchanged and that was very high. So that was a good thing. Uh, the ability to choose their provider, however, that that changed. That mm. that went down some. And that's, you know, we're, we're going to track all these things, but uh, that's, that's something that's of a bit of concern. With the new TRICARE contracts that went into effect the 1st of January, we've had some problems with some network development in some areas, some mm. uh, providers joining into the, the TRICARE networks. So, uh, you know, that's something I know the DHA is monitoring uh, with the contractors to make sure those networks are as, you know, as robust as they can be. So um, that's something we're going to keep an eye on. I think more people after January, the the surprise to so many of these changes that came to TRICARE, I think the uh, maybe unforeseen benefit of that is now people pay a little bit more attention uh, to the changes mm-hmm. that are coming to TRICARE and maybe even be a little bit more active. And one of the ways that people can be active in uh, making sure that their voice is heard when it comes to things like TRICARE is becoming members of an organization like a veteran service organization, whether it's AMVETS, the American Legion, the VFW, the Reserve Officers Association, the Military Officers Association. So let's talk about that very briefly as we finish up here in our last couple minutes. Who is eligible for entry into MOA and how do they go about doing so if they're interested in it? Well, we have a website, moa.org. So that's, you know, they can go right there to that landing page and that'll that'll give you all that information. We just, you know, redid our website and it's really great. We've got a lot of our good information on there. Generally speaking, you have to be an officer, uh, retired, you know, it, you don't have to be retired. Active duty, you know, we've, we've got a large segment of active duty um, that are members of MOA. Uh, so uh, that's that's who we are. We have our membership base is about 350,000. Mm. Uh, so we're, you know, like all the organizations, we're, we're constantly recruiting for members because membership drives strength. And Voices on the Hill is how we do our advocacy. For instance, this last uh, National Defense Authorization Act from 2019, you know, the one that just got, you know, voted on by the House and the Senate. I think it's going to the president to be signed. Um, there was a provision in there um, originally that would raise TRICARE fees even more uh, for a certain segment of the TRICARE population. Again, the retirees under age 65. And it was going to uh, raise their uh, enrollment premiums a significant amount. So uh, the the MOA, uh, leading you know many of our, our colleagues in the military coalition, we got together, we wrote letters, we got our membership engaged and mobilized to write letters to Congress. Uh, so we, we mobilized our, our membership. So you really need a strong membership you know, for a voice on the Hill.
You absolutely do. The more members you have, the louder your voice is, the mm-hmm. louder your voice is, the more change you can enact. And MOA, as Kathy told us, is working not just on behalf of the officers who are their members, but on behalf of everyone who's ever worn the uniform. And you can check out their website. It is MOA.org. We've been speaking with Kathy Beasley, the Director of Government Relations for Health Affairs at the Military Officers Association. Kathy, thank you so much for your time today. And more importantly, thank you for the work that you're doing on behalf of veterans, uh, and particularly when it comes to health care. This is an important thing that we can't let just go, you know, by the board. We got to make sure that we take care of these issues. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Thanks, Eric. And, you know, thanks for having Moa down here. Really, really enjoyed it today. Our pleasure. And that was Eric Dame with Kathy Beasley from the Military Officers Association. We want to thank uh, Captain Beasley for being on the show. And we want to thank you for tuning in. Make sure you stick around because after this, we have Carlos Fuentes from the veterans of foreign wars to talk about all the cool stuff they're going on. Blue Water Navy, uh, Senator uh, Secretary Wilkie, all that cool stuff. So make sure you stick around and make sure you check out the website, connectingvets.com, your one-stop shop for all things veteran-related. And make sure you follow us on social media where we're at Connecting Vets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us to get the latest and greatest information on all the things going on in the veteran sphere because we stay on top of that because, dang it, we're just that awesome. Carlos Fuentes, BFW, stick around after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.